0: asian boxing podcast scott and colin asianboxing.info and scott this past week a lot of great fights um let's start uh, on the japanese side domestic side kaneko versus adachi this was a japanese youth title
1: yeah the japanese youth scene kind of um created a title a couple of years ago and it's it's to be really good it's putting these young kids against each other it's not letting them go off the boil or, you know, rack up 13, 14, 15 wins before fighting somebody you know. And the one this past uh, this past Friday was fantastic. Kaneko was uh, showing what he could do. Adachi was holding his own until a brutal knockout um by Kaneko. Strangely, the result still isn't on box rec, but yeah, Kaneko won by brutal knockout, absolute pizza shot.
0: And we've actually been talking about it recently. All these upcoming welterweights um, In the division Maybe they aren't going to do stuff at the world level But at least domestically It's a healthy division right now in Japan
1: It is And it's kind of It's kind of one that's a bit
0: all over the place
1: There's some really good punches there There's some decent boxers there There's some exciting talent there The problem is perhaps A lot of the topper guys are Not able to take the best punches But it's exciting There's good matchups he made and at the end of the day good matchups being made are sometimes better than top names facing off against each other
0: unfortunately when you don't take a punch well sometimes that makes you even more exciting because people are like i don't know you know he might knock the guy out and then he might get knocked out and so that's why people tune in to watch
1: it certainly makes my giraffe karen Kanda, who's been up and down his last few fights so much fun to watch um Perhaps that's gonna be what stops him from reaching the next level. We've certainly seen the Chin be an issue with Kito
0: Obara, but they're putting on fun fights. We can't really complain. Yeah, not only is Giraffe fun to watch, but his name's Giraffe, so I, I, I would tune in anyway. Um Suyoshi Osato two. Now I was not able to see this, but from what I got from you, Scott, Tsuyoshi was not impressive.
1: Tsuyoshi was not impressive as much as Osato was impressive. Was, the two guys were really competitive when they first fought. It was, again, a very close fight. Osato would have probably got the decision had it not been in Tokyo. Tsuyoshi is one of those really frustrating fighters who just seems to do everything just awkwardly. He has this style that looks like it's like half a second off what it should be. Everything looks wrong about him he's getting results, but I don't see him going on to the next level. Unfortunately, Osato is probably not going to go above Japanese domestic level at any point either.
0: Now, could you see with uh, a rematch? Again, we talked about this last week, but Ito or Mishiro, or are, are those guys even out of his league right now? I think if they're looking for an easier win, um, a domestic
1: fight later this year, that makes sense. Maybe even somebody else we're going to talk about a little bit later on, Ryo Segawa would make a lot of sense for Syoshi. The super featherweight division is an interesting one in Japan. There are talents there, like we've mentioned with Mashiro and Ito, Sagawa, it's just a shame perhaps that Masao Nakamura retired, but there are fights out there for him. He probably isn't going to progress in the way that some might have hoped.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting deal because he really made a good fight against uh, Mishiro. Now, Mishiro was younger at the time when they fought, and maybe he, he got some experience in that fight against Tsuiyoshi, so uh, I would assume in the rematch that uh, Mishiro would have the edge.
1: Yeah, certainly. Uh, I think it's Mishiro's first defense of the RPBF. It was like his seventh career fight. He's very young. He's the you know the rising contender in japan at the division uh, it's kind of hard to know where suyoshi stands he's a long way behind ito hard to say whether or not he's ahead of the likes of hiroshigi Sawa, um yoshimitsu kimura who's another real youngster in the division perhaps he needs to fight someone like kasuki saka a bit of a loser leaves town type of goal later in the year
0: a real sagawa he also had a fight this past weekend And he took on a a Filipino contender, Al uh, Toyogon. Uh, This was on ESPN 5. This was uh, the one fight that I kind of had the opportunity to watch. Very impressive from Sagawa. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a big title. You know, one of those Asian Boxing Council uh, silver super featherweight titles. So a big step up for him. It's
1: a bit of a mothball title, a bit of a meaningless title. It's regarded well behind the OPBF and the B O Asia Pacific, but it's a good fight, and that's what we care about. We like to see good fighters fighting off, and this was a really good competitive 12-round fight. So Gower started started perhaps a little bit slowly, but really took over in the middle rounds, and by the end, he was unlucky not to get a stoppage. He was fantastic.
0: Toyogan, I mean, he's no hes no chump himself. He had a, a decent record coming in. I think he had won five straight. So it's not like this was, for Sagawa, uh, a pushover. And, and for him, it was somewhat of a test. Yeah, it was his first bout on international soil. It was his first bout as a super featherweight. He had lots
1: of questions about the bout coming in. He seemed to have the judges against him um, for the first four rounds with one judge not somehow not giving him the second round, which was one of the clearest rounds of the fight. But the offense scoring perhaps played a factor in his performance. He knew he was behind. He really put it on the line and went for it. And that was really impressive. He's possibly one of the most improved fighters in in all of Edge at the moment.
0: That's what's nice about open scoring. I would vouch for open scoring all over boxing because I think, one, it, it keeps judges accountable, right? It... it Shows you exactly what they're doing each and every round. And then two, it kind of gives the fighter uh, notice because he's down and he's like, well, I got to put my foot on the pedal.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a strange one. I can understand why fans are against it. Personally, I'm I've seen it in action more than most, I guess. And I've enjoyed what it's done in Japan. It does, however, rely on fair judging. And I think that's a bigger
0: issue than open scoring. There are pros and cons to each side, open scoring or or not having that uh, open scoring in a fight. Now, Sagawa was part of, again, that ESPN5 broadcast. If you want to watch the whole broadcast, that's on asianboxing.info. Under the videos tab, I didn't get a chance to see the rest of the fights. Were there any uh, other good bouts on that card?
1: Not really. The pick of Bunch is probably Jumblatsa's win over Benazir Alalord it wasn't particularly exciting. It's probably one of the worst um, ESPN5 cards that we've had, and even then it was it had such a fantastic main event that it sort of overshadowed how poor the
0: rest of the show was. Yeah, usually if you have a good main event, uh, you're going to be okay. ESPN5, though, does an incredible job giving fans the opportunity to watch their fights. Even if their fights aren't good, at least uh, a fan like you or me has that access to to a fight that probably we wouldn't be watching otherwise. It's giving access, it's
1: giving opportunity to some younger fighters. Um this particular card didn't really have a lot of prospects on it. It was it's more of a middling domestic level card and it's a shame that we didn't see one real top prospect like we have done in the past. But the main event was the main event was really, really good.
0: It's the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin, Asianboxing.info. Again, you want to watch that video on ESPN5. There is the Sagawa bout on Asianboxing.info uh, under the videos tab and the entire broadcast also in the videos tab. Moving from ESPN5 to ESPN on uh, he looked good punishing Funai this past Saturday.
1: He did. He looked like the Ankhaz who uh, caught anyone's eye when they beat Kiro, uh, Tiro Kinoshita. I've just looked at the scorecards and I'm left wondering how Kermit Bayless gave a round to Funai. A very strange one. It was a complete domination. Ankhaz did what he pleased. He used Funai as a human punch bag. The impressive thing about Funai was how tough he was, but
0: completely outclassed. Yeah, what does Funai have in his chin? Because I, I don't know how he was standing up. He was taking shot after shot. That uh, I mean, there was one round where Ankas threw so many punches, and the next round he had to take off because he just threw so many power punches. Funai did not go down. That was impressive from Funai. Impressive. At least his chin.
1: <laughs> impressive toughness, but he looked like he was made to order. And as a mandatory, I know that Funai earned the shot. Um... But he was the perfect foil. I don't think Top Rank could have picked a better opponent to let Ankas look good against.
0: That's the thing. It, it still leaves you with question marks about Ancahas because he was going up against a much lesser opponent. What happens when he steps in the ring with a fellow belt holder? That's what I want to see. I would love to see him against Estrada or Yafai, someone who... Uh, can punch back, because Funai was not doing that.
1: Not oh, even a top contender like Shisuke, like Gonzalez. There's so much depth there right now that it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he can navigate through some of them. Uh, maybe maybe a potential super fight with Donnie Nietes be on the cards, because that would be something special.
0: Do you think that's the plan that Top Rank has for him, or are they just going to keep throwing... Weak contender after week contender after Ancajas.
1: I think the reality is he's going to have to move up in weight sooner rather than later. There are contenders there for him, but apparently he struggles to make the weight, so I don't see him staying at 115 unless he absolutely has to.
0: It's a shame because 115 is so strong. 118, I mean, you, you look up and you see the World <laughs> Boxing Super Series, it's, it's pretty strong as well, but 115, I think there's just so many different Contenders, and like you said, not only champions, but uh, you look at a Roman Gonzalez or a Sris gitzel who were former champions, um, they're dangerous still.
1: There's also the likes of Andrew Maloney, who's in the mix. um, Perhaps even go to Japan and fight Akira He He's obviously chasing the title himself. It'd be a way to send him into retirement, I guess, but it'd be fun. It'd be huge exposure for Yaigashi, who has sorely missed out on at times.
0: It will be interesting to see what they do with Alan Cajas. He's kind of ESPN's big, small-weight fighter, and uh, they're continuing to push that narrative. This is uh, the next big Filipino fighter. Again, he is good. He's still... He still needs to prove himself against a top contender. He's not looked as good as he did from when he won the title. For some reason, they've not
1: yet let him off the leash, and I say he's probably going a bit stale, if I'm being totally honest, but he has the talent to do really great things.
0: And then uh, one final fight I wanted to touch on from the weekend: Yi Jun Kim for the WBA Asia Super Bantamweight title. He picked up a victory. He did. He picked up a victory and the
1: WBA Asia um, Super Bantamweight title by stopping Rio Kosaka. This was televised on quite an obscure um, Korean streaming service. And then made available via fan cam online. Kim dominated when he wanted to. It's a stranger. I think he's got like two knockdowns or three knockdowns of of Rio Kosaka. He was in control. He then took rounds off and let Kosaka get his way into it. And then turned the tables. It was an awkward and frustrating performance. But a one-sided one when he let his hands go.
0: What would you say is next for uh, the young Korean? I'd like to see him
1: staying active I don't know what's next for him I don't know if he feels like he has to defend this regional title or if he's willing to travel again I know he has travelled in the past I think he would be Akihiro Matsumoto in Japan and travelling to mix in the Japanese scene at £122 right now would be brilliant whether he takes those risks or stays at home and takes on some relatively abject opponents is yet to be seen He's really talented, but really, really frustrating.
0: Especially in Asia, 122 is strong and and in the world. So I would love to see him get in that mix. Again, if you want to watch that bout, the fan cam um, version is up right now on asianboxing.info under the video section. Yesterday, a bunch of fights, and we were supposed to Recorded the podcast yesterday, work kind of stepped into the way for me, but it was a blessing in disguise, Scott, because you had to, uh, the opportunity to watch a bunch of fights yesterday.
1: The Kadowabi, uh card from the Corrigan Hall, uh, Slugfest 9, I think it was, um, to give it the show's full title. And it was an interesting one, it again involved a an Asian super uh a former world champion, a former world title challenger on the card, a former Japanese champion on the card. It was a stat card and one that was a sort of mixed bag in terms of results and performances. Biggest name on the card is Yukinori Oguni, um, the former IBF Super White champion who, who really should have looked good against Tsukasam Kiyot-Yonguth, but was dropped himself in round four. He never really looked comfortable, never looked like he got going, and struggled to a, a less than impressive victory. He wasn't the only guy who struggled with Takuya Kogawa struggling past Hideaki Watanabe in what was supposed to be a gimme for Kogawa. And Takinori Ohashi had to pull one of the KOs of the year to beat Shun Wakabayashi. Ohashi, former Japanese featherweight champion, was outboxed for six rounds and then landed a brutal uppercut that left Wakabayashi flat on his back.
0: Are these videos available on Asian Boxing? At the moment, they're on Boxing rays only. We
1: usually see Katawebi putting put their cards on YouTube, so they may become available in the coming weeks.
0: So an interesting card, former champions. Oguni, we know that he doesn't always have the strongest chin. I remember his bout against Iwasa, where he was dropped several times. But sometimes you, it's hard to come back after losing your title like that.
1: It's hard to come back after losing your title. He also took a bit longer out. He actually announced his retirement. Then he returned last year after having surgery, I believe, to his right hand. His knockdown wasn't a particularly bad knockdown. It was more of a push-come-punch-come-messy type of affair. But the fact his punches, his own punches, looked so weak and there was nothing on them. Sukasem, a bantam, is walking through his right hand. It was the sort of performance that makes you think, oh, Gunny probably isn't ever going to be the fighter he once was.
0: Sometimes that happens, and it's unfortunate, but for Oguni, you just want his health to be the the main concern, and maybe retirement wasn't such a bad idea.
1: You'd think that, and then you hear his comments after the fight yesterday, and talking about which champion he wants to go for, and weighing down the options, and it does seem like he's not considering walking away again anytime soon, which is a bit of a worry.
0: And Ohashi with, like you said, possibly the KO of the year. What do you think is next for, for him? He needs to avoid the title scene. He was talking about fighting
1: for the Japanese title again, or the Oriental title, or the um, RPBF title, but the reality is he needs to keep away from anyone with a punch. His style is there to be hit. Wakabai actually hit him at will. He has his own power, but the reality is any decent Japanese fighter at 126
0: pounds almost certainly takes him out. It just seems like this was the card that uh, you had some former champs who were a little washed up, and, and you got some great action, but the guys just weren't as sharp as they used to be.
1: Yeah, that was certainly the case with Takuya Kogawa, one of my favorite fighters, and he, he just really looked like he needed to retire. He's a long way removed from the fighter who fought Pong to like, like, one John Kam and Yodwan Cole for saying that he looks like his hard career is now caught up with him and maybe it was just the lack of activity maybe it was a long off and things like that but he looks shot to
0: pieces. It happens to every fighter just hope that um, they take care of their health first and foremost it's a violent dangerous sport and you're fighting one for your livelihood to to make some money to support yourself but also, you can also do something else uh, with your life after. You just want to make sure you have all your faculties straight. To the Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin, Asianboxing.info. And on Twitter, at Asian Boxing. Several upcoming fights in the next week. I know I'm really excited for this one. Title matchup, Kuroda, Muthlane. Muthlane
1: is one of the world's most overlooked and underrated fighters on the planet. He's just really unfortunate for most of his prime he didn't do what he had to do. You kinda look at when he fought uh Nonito Donare over a decade ago to when he beat Mohamed Wasim uh last year. And he just wasn't active enough. His career stalled after stall after stall. He should be one of the names at Flyweight, and instead he's almost a forgotten man in the lower weight division.
0: I think he still is regarded as, as a good fighter, but you're right. He hasn't reached that legendary status. It's hard enough being in the lower weight, but when you make exciting fights and you knock people out like a Nonito Donaire, then you're going to be noticed. For Mithlane, you're right. Maybe he hasn't pushed enough to become a legend.
1: When you look at his record he's got wins over Tete, Jean riel Casemiro, Ricardo Nunez. But he gave his title up um back in I think it was around twenty thirteen, or when he didn't want to travel to fight Amnat Ruin-Ruin. There's been no financial backing behind him until very recently. And that lack of money has really cost him his his main years. And yeah, he's having a great surge at the moment. He's been unbeaten in years, but you kind of feel he could have done so much more with his career than he has done.
0: Does Kurota have any chance at winning this title? No. <laughs> Thanks for being honest. Kurota is a
1: bit like Kagawa in many ways. He's been going around for years. He's been in fun, fan friendly bouts. He's unfortunately aiding himself. He's been dropped. I think in his last two bouts, he's had a lot of punishment. Um, Mithalani is too smart for him, too cute for him, too clever for him.
0: Now, if if everything goes like you're saying it's going to go, and I agree with you, Mithilani gets by him. Unification with Tanaka, a possibility. He's fought two Japanese in a row, make it a third. Same <laughs> possibility.
1: From what I understand, Charlie Edwards is looking at unifying with Mithalani first. So maybe that Tanaka defends against Gonzalez, then looks for something really big in winter. But That would be fantastic That would be two skilled, top skill guys With different styles um, That would be absolutely brilliant to see I just don't see it happening This year
0: Flyweight division is strong It really is There are fights to be made I don't care if it's Edwards and Tanaka Or Tanaka and Muthlane Or Muthlane and Tanaka Whatever happens uh, They need to make fights with the champions together yeah, throw Delakin into that as well. Delakin's fantastic. And then the forgotten man in the division, I guess. World Boxing Super Series. It's right there. Season three. Season they two. They have to get through season two first. <laughs> don't rush ahead.
1: Season three won't start until 2021 at this rate.
0: <laughs> You're right about that. Also, uh, upcoming fights a fight for the Japanese super welterweight title. This one between Nobuyuki Shindo and Hironobu Matsunaga.
1: This is the final of the 2019 Champion Carnival, which seems to have been going on for so long. Uh, Shindo is defending against the manager challenger Matsunaga in what will be Shindo's second defence. Shindo, his first defence came um, last December in what is one of the best fights I've seen for uh, a Japanese title. Him versus Akinari Watanabe in December was just brutal war. Absolutely tremendous heart from both. Watanabe's first was a swollen mess by the end. Matsunaga has got the title shot a bit of an easy way. He beat uh, Kashimaru Saito, who has certainly seen a lot better days. It's an interesting one. I think Shindo probably has the experience, the size, the edges to to defend the title. But Matsunaga's hungry. He's going to be there to win. I'd favour Shindo in a close one.
0: Kurihara and Perenis, they're going to be fighting in an OBPF Bantamweight title. What do you make of this one?
1: Yeah, I was about to say, the other belt on that card has the potential to be something very special. Kurihara is one of the most entertaining Bantamweights out there. He's never going to be a world title holder, but he's so much fun to watch. He's all aggression, heavy, heavy-handed guy, very open. Um, Perenis is quite similar. He's heavy-handed. He's open. This should be a shootout. Uh, you'd favour the younger guy, but Purines has got the power to probably take Kurihara out if he can land cleanly.
0: So there you go, a great card that will be just around the corner for us this weekend. Is it this weekend or is it next week? That's actually tomorrow. <laughs> oh,
1: tomorrow! Well, there we go. Yeah. Should be uploaded by the weekend um, through the Airsign Boxing channel, which. Um, works with their promoter Ichi Ricky and Yokohama Hikari who are hosting the show so fingers crossed we get to watch that rather soon
0: perfect, one more thing I wanted to touch on before we wrap up the show the monster has landed in Glasgow there's not a fight that I've been waiting for more than this one, Inoue Rodriguez we'll talk about it more next week but uh, I like the idea of him landing in Glasgow pretty Early to just get acclimated to the conditions, to everything, um you know, just get his body right before getting into the ring.
1: Prior to leaving, he did state that one of his biggest concerns was the conditions in the UK. Uh, things like jet lag and food and weather are all an issue. And I don't really understand why fighters only travel a week before a fight. When fighters do travel early, they do tend to have better, better success. Masayuki Ito, ahead of his fight with Christopher Diaz, was spending a lot of time in the US. He was acclimatizing, he was training over there. This is the way fighters should be doing it more. If you travel, you adapt to the conditions early, you're 100% come fight night. Why is anybody traveling
0: one week to the fight? And I know he brought some Japanese food along as well. I'm assuming a lot of Japanese food to tide him over before the fight. He was talking about bringing noodles and stuff over to rejuvenate after the weigh-in and rice cakes
1: to help him make weight so he's uh, he's a smart guy planning ahead
0: he's not going with the fish and chips then huh before before not, weighing in he's not
1: looking at fried mars bars or haggis or anything like that but it's it.
0: <laughs> well again we'll talk about that more next week but basically a week away until we get to see the monster back in the ring in the semifinals of the World Boxing Super Series against a great fighter, Manuel Rodriguez. And this fight is up for the ring title as well. So there's more on the line than just a couple of belts.
1: Everything's on the line. Uh, Dwee BSS final, uh, title Unification, Nonito Donary. The world's eyes will be on both this fight and the, the eventual final, which, well, let's not set our calendars to any
0: point soon. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin, Asianboxing.info and on Twitter at Asian Boxing. Thank you again for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.